Romans 8, 28. And what a beautiful verse. What a treasure. I've really been enjoying um, just kind of like going through it. And, and the Lord has been speaking to me. And I pray that the Lord will um, speak to you too. So Romans 8, 28. Ready? Okay. So, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So let's bow down before him. Let's bow down our, our heads and our hearts to the Lord right now and just seek him. So Lord, we just want to come before you, Lord, and thank you. Thank you for loving us, for being the lover of our souls, Lord. Thank you for gathering all of us here today, Lord. Father, may we um, just really glean from your word, Father. May you baptize afresh and anew with the power of the Holy Spirit, all of us, Lord God, that we would be able to really, really get the meat off this verse. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Okay, so Romans 28. Do you know that this verse always makes the list for top 10 most famous Bible verses in America? It does, okay? So it's pretty incredible because it's one of 31,102 verses in the entire Bible. So to make it to number four, it's pretty incredible. I, I Googled it this morning. It's number four in the list. So this is a pretty good verse that the Lord gave us for today. <laughs> um, Here's what R.A. Torrey, he's an American evangelist and writer from the 1800s, and this is what he said about Romans 8.28. It is the soft pillow for a tired heart. It is a soft pillow for a tired heart. And yes, how many times have we gone to sleep with this verse in our heart, right? Just crying in our bed and just, Lord, Lord, we need you so much. I don't see it. I don't, I don't even feel it or want it or understand it. But I know that you're working out things for good. So the gist of this verse is faith in God. That's really the gist of it. Faith that he loves me, that he not only loves me, but that he insists on loving me. No matter who I am, no matter who we are, he insists on loving me. That always warms my heart. He totally insists on loving me. This verse says to a tired and weary soul, God in his sovereignty and supreme power and authority is cooking up something in the midst of the mess in our lives, even if we don't see it or feel it. Now, as I look at all of you guys, most of you know that our women's ministry is every second Tuesday and every fourth Tuesday of the month. But in case you don't know that, I just want to throw it out there. We're, we have a great time. Right now, we're going through the book of Joshua. And one of the most impacting verses in our group, in my, you know, in, in my study, was in Joshua chapter 3, where Israel finds themselves in the midst of another water crossing. And so these people are scared. They're going to have to cross another water crossing. And Joshua tells them, prepare yourself 
to cross the Jordan. And I can just picture all the women in the group saying, oh my God, what? We don't even know how to swim. We have kids, we have stuff. What? I don't want to cross that thing. It's too, too, you know, overflowing the banks and everything. So I could just picture them. But as the priests prepared to put their feet in the water, Joshua chapter 3.16 says this. And I want you guys to write it down if you can, if you have a pen, because I know you're going to come back to this verse. So Joshua 3.16 says this, that the, my, that the waters which came down from upstreams stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Sarathtam. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arab, Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Ladies, the city of Adam, where they were supposed to cross, was 19 miles away. You see, the Jordan to part where these people had to cross, where the priests had to step in, the Lord was doing a work 19 miles away, downstream. And so because they could not see it, because it was so far, they couldn't see it, they couldn't feel it, but God was working out of sight. And the same thing still today he does in our lives. And I know that some of you guys are going through it. I know that. But just know that he is working 19 miles away in the city of Adam. In the set of events and circumstances that make up your life, he is there. He is working you know, downstream. He says to us, trust me. Don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Because I love you, because I insist on loving you, I'm doing things 19 miles away, upriver, in the city of Adam. Things that you can't see or feel, but I am. Isn't that a kiss from the Lord? Oh my gosh. Now because this verse, Romans 8.28, is so familiar to us, I want to break it down into four points. And I'll try to get through it, time permitting, but it's sort of like four Valentine kisses from the Lord. Okay? So these, this is how I'm going to break it up. Okay, number one. Never abandon what you know to what you don't know. Never abandon what you do know for what you don't know. So Romans 8.28 starts with, and we know. Not we think, or maybe, or perhaps, or possibly, no. And we know without a shadow of doubt, with absolute knowledge. That's what it means, we know. Now, there's a lot of things in life that we don't know, right? For example, we don't know the day or the hour of our death. We just really don't know that. Thank God, we don't know that. Another thing that we don't know is what's going to happen tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow holds. 
And another thing that we don't know is the day or the time of the rapture. Nobody knows that except the Father. But the thing that we do know with absolute is that he works things all together for good. That we can be sure. Never abandon what you know for what you don't know. The doctor says to you, you have stage four cancer, you're gonna die. After you freak out, after that initial craziness in your life, that horrific news, you say to your soul, you reason, well, I don't know the day of the hour or the hour of my death or what's gonna happen, but one thing I do know is God will work out all things, especially with my kids, for good. I know. My husband just got fired from his job. What are we going to do? After the initial shock of unbelief, you say to your soul, you reason, well, I don't know what tomorrow holds or how we're going to pay the bills. But one thing I do know is that he is going to work out this situation for good. I know. You look at the evening news or any show on TV and you ask yourself, how darker, how dark can it get? How much more dark can it get? I mean, things are just beyond nuts nowadays. So after you ponder and unbelieve, what you just saw in, I didn't see the Grammys, but I read about it, or what you, you know, saw in the Super Bowl in the halftime, you say to yourself, you say to your soul, you reason, I don't know how much worse it's going to get, but I do know that I have the promise of the rapture, and this points to it, and I know that the Lord is working out even the crazy things that are happening for good. Any day now, any day now, we're going to be raptured. We know, right? We know. Number two, divine culmination. Dictionary meaning of culmination, the clim climatic point of something specially as attained over time. And you know that all things work together. He does not say all things are good in and of itself. That would be a crazy statement because not everything is good, right? Like rape is not good. Uh, this earthquake that just killed 36,000, I think is the number today, that's not good. Murder is not good. Nor does it say, nor does this verse say, God will keep us from bad things. That's not true either, because the Bible is very clear that, the, that it rains on the just and on the unjust, meaning bad things happen to, bad, to good people too. So the Lord doesn't say that either. And this verse really doesn't say that the things that we pray about work out for good. That's not true either. We can pray for a lot of things, and his answer may be yes, no, or maybe. It doesn't mean that they're going to work out the way that we have prayed. Thank God, because I've prayed for some crazy things. 
So thank God that the Lord has not listened to my nonsense. This verse simply says all things work together. The culmination of all things cooperating together for good over time according to his purpose. Right? All things. This means nothing is beyond the reach of God. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is beyond the overruling of God's providential love for us. I was just talking with a friend at dinner right, right here, and she was saying that she loves uh, the quote by George Mueller. Well, I told her I'm going to quote George Mueller. This is, George Mueller was a very devoted, godly man uh, from the 1800s, and he started an orphanage in England. And this man, he lived by prayer, by faith and by prayer. There was times where he didn't even have anything to feed these orphans. And he would pray all night long. And in the morning, uh, the milk guy, the, the carriage, because this was back in the 1800s with no refrigeration, the carriage would break right in front of the doorsteps of the orphanage. And so because there was no refrigeration, he would give the milk to the orphans. So it was an answer to this man's faithful prayers. So he lived by prayer and faith. And this is what he, I'm, I'm going to quote him now. This is what he says. In a thousand trials, it is not but 500 of these that work in the believer's good, but 999 of them and one besides and this was his way of saying, 100% of my trials work together for good. George Mueller also said this, In the greatest difficulty, in the heaviest trials, in the deepest poverty and necessity, he has never failed me. But because I was enabled, and this is key, and because I was enabled by his grace to trust him, he has always appeared for my help. I delight in speaking well of his name. Do you realize what you say, especially during a trial, speaks volumes of God? Do you realize that? When a trial hits your life and you react you, you will react in one of two ways. You will either react in the flesh or you will react in, in the spirit. And Job 2.10 is a perfect example of how two individuals that are hit by the same trial reacted. One acted in the flesh, the other one in the spirit. This is what Job 2.10 says. In the course of one day, Job, he loses, well, this is Job, I'm kind of paraphrasing. He loses his income, his riches, and all his ten children, and all at the same time. His wife, and I believe that she was in great desperation and agony. This woman just learned that she lost the same thing as Job, and this mom just lost ten of her kids, or ten, all her ten kids. 
So I believe that in, in great, you know, desperation and agony, she comes to him and she says, are you still holding fast to your integrity? Oh, Job, just curse God and die. That's what she said. And his response, and in my mind's eye, I really believe that this is the way it happened. I might be wrong, completely off, but I th I, this is the, how I see it. I see him grabbing her as she is crouch, crouching down, sobbing, in excruciating pain. A mom who's just lost her 10 kids. And, she's, and she, she says this, and he's like, shh, this is what I'm thinking he's saying. Shh, my love, as to say, God is listening. He says, are you talking like a foolish woman? Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And the Bible says, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Ladies, the enemy... He just wants you to react in the flesh. That's what he wants. These two human beings confronted with the same trial, the same situation, one reacts in one way and the other one voices totally, a totally different thing. Jo uh, Jacob was another one who thought his favorite son had just died. They were starving to death, and the man in Egypt who had the, the food wanted him. He said, I'll, I'll give you the, the food, but you bring me your youngest son. And this is what Jacob, in total desperation, declared. He declared this, all things are against me. <laughs> Not so. Not so, Jacob. His one son that he thought was dead was very much alive. And God was working out everything together for good. 19 miles away where he couldn't see it, where he couldn't feel it, but he was. Again, the, the enemy just wants us to react in the flesh Proverbs 16.4 says this. I came across this in my devos this week, and I was like, wow. It says this, Proverbs 16.4. The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Job understood this. Do you? <laughs> I know this is a hard pill to swallow, that the Lord would even work he, he, would, he uses even the wicked, but he does. Now, let's not misunderstand this verse. The idea is not that all things happen to work out together, but rather that God causes all things to work together for good, speaking of an ongoing activity. Someone who is orchestrating an awesome God who is the primary mover. He moves things as he's working it together. 
a deeper translation of Romans 8.28, and you can do this by looking up every single word in the dictionary for, for every single word in, in this verse. Listen to this. It says, I know as a person with absolute beliefs, with no rational grounds for doubting, the certainty that God on an ongoing basis is causing all situations to collaborate together for the best and perfect outcome of those believers that love God and are summoned according to his calculated and willful design. Wow. He is the great architect and builder of every single situation in our lives. This verse, Romans 8.28, is a statement of faith that God is all-knowing, powerful, and providential. He, in his perfect knowledge, is able to work out all things together for a perfect good. Not the good that we think, but a perfect good according to him. Someone reminded me the other day, uh, do you guys remember the 67th property? The, a lot of you guys m might remember, others never went there, but it was a small property over on 67th Avenue. And every time we would, as a church, go to the city to do anything that had to do with the building because we wanted to do something with the building, there was this group of people that lived in that community. Una piñita is what we call in Spanish. And every time we, as a church, wanted to do something, they would fight it all the way. Um, I remember Adrian coming back from meetings, and he was just so discouraged and so disappointed. disappointed. But, you know, little did we know that God was working 19 miles away in the city of Adam. He was sovereign. He was working out, out all things for the sale of 67th so that we could buy this property but we couldn't see it at that time. We couldn't fathom. He knew this, the church was going to go through a growth spur like never before. And he was setting us up. He was using those people that he ordained to live in that community to buff us all the way, to fight us all the way, because he knew we didn't know. And look at us now, right? We're at this beautiful church. So this is another kiss from the Lord, ladies. Number three, eternal, not temporal. Romans 8.28 should always be interpreted in the light of the eternal, not the temporal. All things work together for good, not even my personal good. It's not only about me. It doesn't say he works out all things for my good. No, it says he works out all things for good according to his eternal purpose, not mine. Not for our comfort, our serenity, our ease, 
not for our freedom from hardship, our prosperity, or for our physical health, but rather works together for what God defines good in the light of eternity. Johnny Erickson Tata, I know that most of you guys know who she is or have read her books, and she was an evangelist that she has touched many people through her testimony. And she was a 17-year-old girl who dove into shallow waters. She fractured two vertebrates and instantly became a quadriplegic. 17 years of age. Her life was just beginning. And this is what she says. We will stand amazed to see the top side of the tapestry of how God beautifully embroidered each circumstance into a pattern for our good and for his glory. Have you guys ever seen the backside of a tapestry? <laughs> it's crazy. It's like a, a whole bunch of knots, a whole bunch of yarns. Things are just like, Bleh. nothing makes sense. Everything is like chaotic. But man, when you turn that thing around, wow, what a beautiful picture. It's an artistic rendering of a skillful, a skillful artist, right? And that's exactly what Romans 8.28 says in a nutshell. Johnny was basically saying, my life now what I see, what I feel, the backside of this tapestry, it's not pretty or comfortable. It's a wheelchair with all kinds of inconveniences. But at the end, I know he is going to show me the top side and it seems, as it seems through the eyes of eternity. All the people that have been saved through her ministry, all the people that that wheelchair has touched for Jesus. And so too with your life, the set of unique circumstances, trials that you're going through today, tomorrow. He has a beautiful picture on the other side. Now, we are not naive. We know the Lord gives and he takes away. We know that sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. But one thing I can tell you, ladies, God never allows pain in your life without purpose. He never wastes pain in the light of eternity. His goal is to always use every single circumstance in your life to conform you to his son. That's his goal. No matter how painful, no matter how hard, he uses it to conform. And I'll tell you what, I can't wait to see the top side of my tapestry. <laughs> Can you? Lastly, oh, I'm pretty good, three minutes away. This verse only applies to believers. And we know that all things work together for good. Listen to this. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, this only applies to believers. So the next time your coworker says to you, oh, well, all things will pan out for my good, you say, no, 
No, no, no. You take out your Bible, you quote the verse, and you tell them, now that you know the truth, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so this verse can apply to you? That's what you say. So tonight, I ask you a simple question. Are you a believer? Can you claim this verse? Can you claim this kiss from Jesus? Do you love him? Are you the called according to his purpose? Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? And because he did, he pardoned all of our penalties and kept us all from going straight to hell. Do you believe that? If you don't, we're going to pray right now. And anybody that wants to ask Jesus into their lives, into their hearts, so that they can claim this verse, can do it right now. So let's just bow down our, our, our heads. Let's pray this prayer. And if you want to receive Jesus into your life, you know, repeat this prayer with all of your heart, in the quietness of your heart. So, Lord, we just thank you so much. Thank you that we understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for my sins, Lord. Thank you that, God, because he did that, I will be eternity in heaven with you, Lord. And, I, Lord, I want to follow you hard from this day forward with all my heart and my soul, Lord. Thank you for this verse that I can claim because I do love you. And I am the called according to your purpose, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you're weaving the tapestry of my life, Lord. Thank you that, God, I can't see it. I might be, you know, you might be in a point right now where you can't see it. But I know, Lord, that 19 miles away, you're working out all things for good according to your purpose, Lord. So thank you for that, Lord. And thank you for Romans 8.28, this great treasure, this great Valentine's gift that you have given us tonight, Lord. A heirloom that we can uh, pass down to our children, Lord, to our families. Thank you for that. Thank you for the kiss you gave us tonight because truly you are our Valentine's, the lover of our soul. In Jesus' name, amen.